So for my listeners, Francois Kulik, he is the VP of Inside Sales at SAP. He's based in Dublin um, and he has particularly interesting experience that I wanted him to share today um, on the episode. But first, I wanted uh, to take him back to the early stages of his career and potentially even before that. Um, but yeah, the guy is extremely interesting and I'm really happy to have him uh, on the early episodes of the podcast. So Francois, you can you can take it away. Uh, the, the, the first question I'll ask you um, is to uh, tell me, why did you decide to join the podcast today? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a that's an interesting question right um i suppose you know when you when you have the occasion to tell your story you're hoping to learn as much as the people listening to um, will learn so it's very rare these days where you can actually sit down and just try to recall where you have been where you expect to go and everything that happened in between so uh, i suppose i thought it would be a, a great time I'm delighted you thought so. So, um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, the, the podcast is really serving as a platform to, to be authentic and to be honest and to get those conversations that haven't often been shared. Um, and so I really, I really hope that, that you actually benefit from the, the conversation and so do, so do the listeners. Um, so can you take me right back to earlier in your life? even say before your academic studies all right so well I, as you can hear from my accent i was not born in county dublin or county Wicklow. <laughs> um i was uh, i was actually um i was actually uh, born in france um kind of a mixed heritage as well with my father being polish and my mom on the belgium side i would say um but uh so so I was born and, and raised and did my studies in France. Um, always has kind of always had an idea of uh, going abroad, um, try to to work in a different language, and and I think that's why I, I, I chose to do a little bit of uh, a little bit of sales, a little bit of um, logistics, international business. It's all things that were really interesting me. Um, but again, that's, that's easy to have dreams. It's very hard to actually, uh, <laughs> execute on them. Uh, I, I think one of, um, one of the things that I love the most from, uh, from a, a, a Belgium singer called, uh, Jacques Brel, he says that the hardest, uh, the hardest part of a trip is not the, the, the trip from the airport in Brussels to China. It's, it's from your house to the airport. <laughs> and so it took me a long time to actually take this trip from, from my house to the airport. And, um, I had a first little experience in, in Poland, actually, um, trying to, to, to perhaps reconnect with the, the land of my father, but, um, uh, you know, it, it was, it was good, but, I. Um, in, in truth, I had a, um, a car accident there, you know, and it's, uh, it, it kind of changed my perspective in life and just thought, okay, right, this was not to be, right, <laughs> but okay. I still need to connect with what I want to do, which is going abroad and have an experience in, in another country. And, and very randomly, um, I've heard about Ireland being a, a land of opportunity. Um, I knew very close to nothing about Ireland at the time. Um, I actually took a plane ticket. Um, I arrived in Dublin airport, I actually realized, oh, I don't even know what currency they're on. Are they in 
pound or an euro <laughs> so that's how that's how bad my knowledge of Ireland was at the time um but uh, I was lucky that at that time Ireland was having jobs for everyone and PPS number for everyone and you know everybody could uh, could could find something albeit uh not automatically a thing you were doing before i was in sales i've always been in sales before and um and and i and i decided to do some technical support um at the time but you know what it was a job and it was part of uh doing what i wanted to do in life okay so so sales for me i worked in a sales role before um i worked in a business development role and anytime someone asked me to reference those times of my life I kind of explained that I fell into a sales role. Um, yeah. Do you think, like, did you fall into a sales role or was that the the avenue you wanted to go down? See, that, that's funny because, uh, like, I see a lot of people that I hire now, they see sales as one unified thing. So they see sales as, you know, selling technology to companies or they see sales as, you know, being in a, in a telesales role. For me, sales has always been many, many things. So uh, when I started back in the days in France, it was, you know, being in a sports shop and, you know, uh, advising customers and standing static and customer come to you and you give advice and they buy from you. But there's also a lot of other tasks around, going around and, you know, making sure the inventory is there and everything. It was also being um, door-to-door selling. You know, I've done that, you know, the the, the, the type of wow. really bad roles when you have to go with a stock of, you know, quality of product is not as great. And you put <laughs> them in, you go door to door to companies and you leave, uh, you leave a good merchandise there and you come back there a couple of weeks later and you say, OK, do you have any orders? And you kind of give them the, 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 the quality of merchandise that is a little less good. Uh, you know, it's. You know, all these things, the good and the bad, you know, mm. um, and then obviously, you know, a couple of, you know, more high level sales, as we would call that, you know, prospecting companies for new products or new technology, you know, that, that's all the stuff that I've seen as sales. I've never seen sales as one thing. Mm. So, um, you know, sales was very different in my early career to when I um, arrived in Ireland. So that's a, that's a thing. Well, you, always, you, I always loved it anyway. And you, you still, you still do. You're, it seems like your career, I know you haven't shared it just yet, but from my research on your profile, you sales has been very much close to, to what you've done for throughout your career. So, um, you definitely love something. Yes, yes. And, and, and I think, and I think um, you know, at the beginning, to be honest, I think there's a lot of people that have the same, but I love sales because I could make money out of it. Mm. You know? yeah. And that's something that is a common ground usually when you are young and, you know, you want to have your career done and, and you want to start earning your, your first paychecks. You understand that sales is a good way to do it. Uh, and 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 sometimes it's it's the good thing for you, and sometimes it's not. But in my case, you know, it, it was the good thing. So I think um, again, referencing my experience with sales. So I, I actually had two sales roles. Um, I was in a a recruitment role where I was selling candidates to a company and selling the company to a candidate. Um, so that kind of relates to what you were saying that there's different elements of of sales and a broader picture there. Um, and then I, I moved into 
into soft uh, software as a service uh, sales. Um, but I remember those experiences in in a sales role really helped shape my career to date. I learned a lot of key skills and and things that I've been able to apply in my day to day role, even not in a sales position. But um, a lot of those experiences, they were, you know, really tough to go through. Mm. Um, can you tell me about any time in whether it was earlier in your career or th- throughout uh, before your current role where you felt like giving up, um, so to speak, or you actually overcame it and you kept going? Yeah, I, I suppose and that's a that's a natural progression in, in, in my career. I, I suppose at one point I realized that sales was just not enough. So um, I started in this company called Service Source. Um, uh, it, it's, it's quite a big employer now in Ireland um, and they're quite big around the world. But at the time, you, you have to picture a company that was a startup still in the U.S., got an early uh, development in Europe. They decided to go to Dublin pretty quick in their, in, in their history. And uh, we were a bunch of 10 people in, uh, in, in, in Dublin, a couple of American guys that moved from San Francisco to here and, and, and probably around five or six European people. Um, and, and we were doing renewals for large multinationals. So we were basically taking the portfolio of their um, clients and we were trying to renew the contracts that they had. Very interesting concept. And then, you know, uh, I was there, I was sitting at my desk when I finally figured out what we were doing uh, <laughs> after being hired. Um, and uh, and then I started selling and got some good results. And, you know, you get your list of prospects, you go, you call, you get the purchase order. At the time, you were still getting your purchase order by fax. So, you know, the excitement of the end of quarter, you get all your purchase order coming by fax, you're delighted. Wow. And then all of a sudden you realize, yeah, I know, I know, it's not that long ago. Come on, don't, now I'm going to feel way older than I am. It's not that long ago. We're talking 2005 there. Come on. Okay, okay, fair enough. Not that long ago. Uh, but it's, um, you know, all of a sudden I realized that despite the fact that we sold, you know, we still had to talk to our customer. A real customer, the client, the person who was giving us the portfolio of um, of, um, of client to renew, and then we needed to create a QBR for them, and we needed to create reporting for them, and we needed to reassure them that the choice of giving their part of their business to us was the correct one. We need to expand the business as well because we could probably not make much money from the initial part of the of the business they gave us. We needed to expand the relationship. We needed also to give them analytics. We give them to give them more values. And, you know, it was all this circle. And I have to say, for just a moment there, I thought, wow, but I sold everything. Why are they not happy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, it took me a tiny bit of time to just grasp the complexity of how enterprise sales can work. Okay. Um, so that's where I, I, my career took a turn at that point. And, I, I I listed in my CV that I could use Excel like everybody does, and and then, you know, I was uh, I was uh, I was put in charge of you know creating some random analytics thing for 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 the client, and then I got involved in doing the QBR, then I got involved into 
operation, implementation of new clients, found a lot of great people in that company and, and, and they showed me how the complexity can be something that is actually very good instead of something that is kind of uh, difficult to handle. Okay, yeah, because the word complexity would scare a lot of people away from <laughs> from that type of oh, sales. I love it now. You love it. I love it now. I love it now. So, if, if the I, first lesson, <laughs> be careful what you list on your CV. It, it will come back biting you. In. <laughs> so, I think my listeners are taking notes now. Don't don't lie on CV. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, so if I was if I was in sales now or if I was thinking about a sales career and I was listening to this episode so far, I, I, I would get straight into enterprise sales and I'd know that I'm making a lot of money. <laughs> but w- w- is there any is there any horror stories in, in even that period of when you were learning how to grasp enterprise sales or even whether sales was for you? Was there is there any stories that kind of shaped your decision to pursue the career in sales? Yeah, I suppose the first year of a career, and I, and I think it's something that many pe- people experience as well. You, you try to compare yourself to the others. Mm. You, you arrive and usually, especially if you're talking about enterprise sales, you're rarely the only one doing your job. Because, you know, usually at least two people, but more likely there's 50 of you doing the same job all around the world if you're part of an international and if it is not a multinational, there might at least be 10 people doing what you're doing. Um, and it's very hard to try to compare yourself to the others while at the same time trying to keep a hard look on how you're doing and at the same time trying to stay optimistic and trying to stay positive because you have to stay positive for sales. So it's kind of this back and forth but it's really difficult. And I see a lot of people even now, now that I have responsibility for a larger group of people, mm. I see a lot of people struggling with that. How to stay focused on yourself, but at the same time, look at other people to learn stuff. And at the same time, compare yourself to the others, but not being obsessed by it. It's kind of, it's really hard. You go back and forth constantly. And that impacted me a lot. That really impacted me a lot. I, I was coming from a time, from a place where sales was a, was not a team sport. It was me with a customer and selling. And, and, and that's very hard to not be, to not be in that situation anymore. So I suppose this is the horror story. And I, I've seen a lot of people in, in the startup environment, a lot of people getting promotion before me and uh, seeing people that deserve promotion that didn't get them. And then I would despair saying, well, if that guy doesn't have a promotion, there's no chance I will. And all this element of kind of chance as well, you know, which client do you get assigned to, which portfolio of prospect you have. And, you know, it's kind of things that you need to learn to handle. It it does like when you put it like that, it that I suppose that is the other side of sales or any role that's high pressure is that you you need to be able to handle it in the first place and handle it sustainably over a career. Um, I, for me, when I was in, in sales, however short it was, I felt that was a challenge for me, actually uh, staying motivated, but also um, taking heed of how far I've come in my role and how much I've learned. And then 
blocking out all the other external, you know, factors, someone getting promoted or, or even demoted or, you know, whatever the other things are, especially when you're in a team. Um, so you've been at a lot of different companies um, since Service Source, mm-hmm. but I noticed Service Source, you were there for the longest. Was that somewhere where you could have seen yourself staying longer, or what? What was it that 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 you were pursuing outside of outside of Service Source? Yes, I suppose the uh, the experience in Service Source was great. We grew from ten million to one hundred and forty, I think, at the time. Uh, went IPO. I've uh, been going back and forth through operation, sales, implementation, even a little bit of FP&A, a little bit of everything. And, and it was great. I found a lot of mentors. And at one point I thought, that's it. That's just, I had my, I had my, uh, my experience at service source. I wanted to experience something else. And then, so that's the official reason. Mm. The real reason is that at one point when it's your first big position and it's seven years on and you know everything about the company, you're thinking, am I good because I know everything about the company and about the product? Or is am I good because, you know, I can do that somewhere else as well? Uh-huh. And it's a, it's a really hard one. And I suppose at the time I didn't admit it, admitted it to myself. So that's probably a lifesaver. But I think I was terrified. I was terrified to think like, you know, I've spent seven years or six years or whatever it was uh, doing the same thing, the same product and, you know, growing from 10 to 150. I probably knew the name of uh, at least 100 people in the Dublin office out of 150. Wow. Um, so it was scary to do the, to do the change. I, did, I didn't admit it to myself. So that's that's probably is a good thing. Don't admit to yourself too much that you're scared because you're not going to do anything. And I would still probably be there and, and might not have been as good as, as it is now. But, you know, it, it was scary. So when you say scary, just essentially taking that move, take, make, making the decision to, to move on. Absolutely. And um, I've done that decision when in my life, there was a lot of things that have happened during the six years I've I've met my future wife. I had my first kids. I Congrats. completed you. <laughs> that was the first of four. So that's, uh, <laughs> that was, that was, uh, that was, yeah, that was the start of a big thing there. Um, and then I did my master, finished my master and I bought a house. And then all of a sudden, right. I, I, it's almost like it was the, the start of my life and I needed to do the transition now. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's something that was, uh, that was, that was very important. So I, I, I actually took a, took a role in, in Oracle thinking, well, I want to see a bigger company. Well, Oracle was big. So I got, <laughs> I got, uh, I got very, uh, uh I got what I wanted. <laughs> and and I, it's funny because I know that a lot of my listeners will have fears themselves, but the fears won't be to that same level. They they probably don't have you know five year five years in service source behind them or in a similar uh, company. And maybe their fear is they've graduated. They're interested in sales or they're interested in just getting into the tech industry. Um, would you have any advice? You know, 
based on the, the moves that you've made, given that you're the VP of inside sales at SAP, you've done something right. You've, you're in a role that you're happy in, a function that you're happy in, and you, you, you seem pretty happy. Um, is there anything you would give in terms of advice for the younger you graduating and looking for a role in tech specifically? Mm. Yeah, I think uh, value the experience. You know, it's something that I sometimes didn't see as much as I should have. You know, any experience is good. You need to have experience. Um, specific skills, they're transferable. So, you know, you, you, you need to value the experience you have, but you don't have to be focused on whether or not it's the exact type of experience you need for the position. Obviously, you know, if you have 10 years being a doctor, it doesn't make you a good salesperson. But, you know, it, there are a lot of skills that are transferable. But one thing that is not transferable is you won't transform zero years of experience into 10 years of experience. Mm. And, and that's something that, you know, is, is really important. So, you know, when you choose the role you want to, to, to do first, and I had the chance of finding perhaps a great company and, you know, at a great time in their, in their history, I was able to grow with them. But no matter what, choose your first experience thinking this is going to be my first experience. That in itself is valuable. You know, it's just, you know, stop thinking, is it going to be the good choice, the bad choice, anything? Having a first experience is a good choice. <laughs> so just think about that and, and stop second guessing stuff. Try to do your best at the first experience. Develop the skills that are transferable. And then after that, you'll go from there. It might be that it's the company you will stay for 10 years. It might be that it's the company you'll stay for one year or two years. But, you know, value the first experience as it should be. Yeah, it's a really good point. I I think I, I can't help but look back at my own early career and the, the thought processes that were going on in my head when I was, uh, you know, deciding to join a company. Um, but yeah, that definitely resonates with me. I think my my idea of the perfect company back then may not have been what it is now. And um, I think when it comes to experiences, there really is no replacement of it. You need to have bad experiences you need to have good experiences and they they both shape you into the professional and person person you are today um i i have to ask you about the positivity uh note that you made um you, you mentioned you see people on your team well not your your specific team but teams that maybe you've managed in the past that weren't able to um manage the the mental side of of working in sales specifically um, is there anything you saw on those teams or in people that that uh, was really insightful for you, was kind of sh showed you that there was paths that should be traveled and, and, and paths that shouldn't be traveled? Or um, That's what I'm thinking. The things that you learned from the teams and the people around you. But it's, it's funny because I've seen, I've seen, Unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of people that are not successful in the positions that they are trying to have. You know, that, that's, that's not a majority, but it's, it's, it's something that happens. And the one thing that always strikes me at the common point is the, the lack of self-awareness. That's always a constant. You know, I've seen people that were way too confident. I've seen people that were way too... Um, they, they couldn't see what was good in them. You know... 
polar opposites. <laughs> I've seen that, but the lack of self-awareness was always the was always the common point in probably ninety percent of the people that have seen failing at their at their positions. Wow. Um, being able to see what you do well, what you do wrong. And it's never a hundred percent anyway. Um, you know, the worst employee I've seen is at least doing 40% things. Right. <laughs> the best employee uh, doesn't do more than 80% of the things right. Uh, so it's, it's just, you know, if you don't have the self-awareness of what you do right or wrong at a certain level, then there's no hope for changing. And it's possibly not because you're bad or, or anything. It might just be because you're not seeing the things that are important for your position. Or you're not seeing how you can leverage your skills to make yourself better. But there's definitely something that is in front of your eyes that stops you from seeing things. And it's not automatically something that is deep inside you. It's not something automatically that is deep inside your personality. It might just be that it's the wrong job for you. You don't understand it. But it's kind of a, it's, it's a definite a dilemma. So say if I'm not self-aware, how do I become aware of my lack of self-awareness? <laughs> <laughs> get, get people to talk to, get people that will tell you straight in the eyes. No, you're, you're, you're just, you can't do that. You know, people that will just sit you down and tell you exactly why you're being ridiculous or one way or the other. I, I had a, I had a particular person that's really helped me during the early part of my career as well. Um, and um, he was my director at the time, Northern Irish guy, no nonsense, very good career. Um, and uh, let's put it that way. He, didn't, he wasn't shy in telling me when I was not being performing or when I was thinking I was doing something good, but actually I was just uh, um, working on my ego. Uh, mm-hmm. so, it's, so he was really good at saying it with very straight, in a very straight way, with very strong Northern Irish accent as well, <laughs> which frightened frightened me slightly <laughs> still to these days. Uh, but yeah, so so that's that's somebody like this that you need. You also need mentors that help you develop your qualities and that are nice to you and give you confidence and everything. I'm not saying that all your mentors need to be like mm-hmm. this, but you need someone in the professional world that need to tell you when you're just not going the right direction. So that's, that to me sounds like it, it, it makes sense. What about people who aren't willing to take feedback? Uh, why, why are you not willing to take feedback? That's the question mm-hmm. I would ask. Um, the, the answer to that question is, is often where the problem lies. Mm. Are you not willing to take feedback because you think you're the best at what you do? Are you not willing to take feedback because you're not willing to take corrective actions? That happens. And it could be many reasons. You're too tired. You do not have the mental strength because something in your personal life doesn't allow you to concentrate on that. Do you not take feedback because you don't understand the feedback when it was given the first time you know that happens as well and and when i say don't understand could be you know to a simple point of like you you can't operate in a different language on your own 
or it could be you don't understand because it's too technical the job you're in or because you don't have the experience necessary to do that. So the reason why you can't take feedback is probably more important of the fact that you can't take feedback. And that is kind of easier to kind of understand. There's not 20 reasons why you can't take feedback. I expose a couple of them, but uh, a little bit of questioning would help there. Yeah, I think I think you've nailed it. I think self-reflection is one of the most powerful tools someone can have in improving their career um and it sounded like you had two sides you had the ability to take feedback and actually apply it in your role uh, and your career but you also had the I, I call them resources but you sought out the mentors the the that feedback and then you you found value in in bringing the two together mm. And some of the mentors are there around you. You don't always need to seek them. You know, if you open your eyes, there's plenty of people that want to mentor you. There are plenty of people that are very good at it. They know it and they enjoy it. And you just need to say yes to them. And and it's and it's and it's just that. You don't take a mentor when you need one. Take mentors when they are around you. Excellent. I think I'm going to have to apply this to myself before uh, sh- sharing it on the episode. <laughs> um, yeah. So my, my next question, um, it, it's kind of been inspired from the last conversation I had um, last Friday. Um, I was speaking to to an executive at HubSpot and um, he was telling me about changing the changing time that is 2018, the changing attention spans um, and how that kind of ripples through to marketing, sales, any any facet of business. We kind of to to succeed in business, you you, you have to adapt to this new you know uh, this new era of of shorter attention spans. Is there anything in two thousand eighteen, whether it's specific to your role or SAP, um, that you see impacting your day to day? That wasn't the case back, say, in 2005 at Service Source. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that are changing, and some of them are a I wouldn't say positive or negative. Some of them are making your life harder. Some of them are making your life simpler. Some of them are making your life less enjoyable. Some of them are making your life nicer. Um, but there's definitely a, 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 a shift. So first of all, I mean, the, the competitive environment is really, really strong. I mean, it's it's something that really I've seen over the years. You know, people don't go to just one vendor or two vendors. People have access to every offer of every vendor possible. Um, you know, and, and, and at every level, like candidates now can apply to any company they want. They will receive answers from most companies. Um, which wasn't wouldn't have been the case before when you were writing handwriting twenty five letters to get a job and you got one or two answers and yes but at the same time as always, <laughs> I was just but, gonna say <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I anticipate that but um, so the the competitive nature because the information is there at every level you know it, you're it's more competitive so it's it's more complex in a way and you know that because you've been doing you know, selling candidates to company and, and, and getting candidates for companies. Um, you know, it's, it's very difficult, but at the same time, it creating something amazing. You can now build diversity in your teams. And, and that's amazing that we have, we have candidates now we have, we have teams that are so much more diverse than 10 years ago. 
the the gender balance is being corrected we also have people above and beyond the gender balance we have people coming from many many different horizons people who do business school people who did university people who did neither people who have 10 years experience that would go into enterprise sales people who have two you know it's it's great because it doesn't look like the same bunch of people it's it really is um and again, this makes it a little bit harder to manage as well. So, you know, it, all these changes are fueled from the um, increased competitive environment. So that would be my, my first big change compared to 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Interesting. So there's, there's a lot of benefits in terms of uh, the diversity of hires and even the landscape. It being so competitive, you've got a lot of options in terms of talent and uh, business opportunities. Yeah, but let's face it, it's way more interesting. Like I have people in my uh, in my team, like I have teams in Toronto and teams in Dublin and teams in Sydney, Melbourne, Singapore and Tokyo. I really enjoy listening to them. I can give you, I can speak passionately about many of them. I can really, because I'm thinking, wow, I would have never been able to do that. You know, like there is single mothers there are uh, people who had been through very tough tough time in life there are people who moved country five times they you know it, it's it's really interesting there are interesting people you're working with now you can build teams of interesting people and that's amazing are you fearful of anything in the in the near future yeah i so we are making a lot of changes to the way we are onboarding new people, new grads and everything. And, and, and we've done great things in terms of the new theories of management and new theories of organization. And we onboard people like we've never done before. We are able to give them great conditions for working. We, within the first month usually, and especially like I'm working in a company um, SAP that is you know one of the best employers got a lot of rewards and we're very good at giving a right sense of purpose for everyone coming working for us but what I want really to make sure is that we also get the individual story of everyone on board so we always take people as individual people we always hire a person and you know it's harder and harder because we hire fast, we grow fast, we have, as I said, a lot of competition, and we tend to do decision in bulk. Mm, okay. But the important thing is the person. And I'm fearful that at one point, you know, I would stop caring about the human, caring about the person I hired. For the moment, I'm still more or less able to tell probably 90% of the people I ever manage, which runs in the hundreds now, I can tell where they are now, more or less, which company, which level, and I care about what they do after that. Now, if we start going faster and faster and faster, I'm going to lose this ability to care that much. Okay. And that is something that I think, at that point, I think I'm going to lose my, uh, my interest um, so hopefully that's not gonna that's not gonna be there too long, and we'll find um, as employers we'll find solutions to make sure that the human is staying at the center of everything we do, despite the increased competition, despite the increased speed. 
Uh, Francois, thank you so much for taking the time again out of your evening to, to share this with me. Um, it's been quick, but it, it's been really insightful learning about your pre-sales, sales, well, every facet of sales in your career, um, right up until the, the VP role at SAP. Um, so for my for my listeners, just before I let Francois go, I know that he is hiring uh, actually at the moment. Is that right, Francois? Yeah, we have a lot of position open, um, not only within my own departments, but uh, you know, within SAP in general. So, yeah, you, you know, you know where to find me. LinkedIn is the place. Yes. Yeah, so what I'll do is I'll share I'll share your profile in in the blog post that I that I put out, and um, and then a few few headings of uh, that we've mentioned today. But uh, thanks again for for taking the time out of your evening uh, and joining me today.